Thank you, and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we're studying the Genesis account of the flood. It covers over three chapters, and in two programs, we're up to Genesis 6, verse 7. <laughs> Looks like we may be in this study for quite a while. Well, Scott, I don't see anything wrong with that, do you? Well, no, no, I was just saying oh, that- Okay. And if something of interest in the creation science field comes up, we can interrupt the flood study to cover it. You know, plus, I don't think we'll be spending as much time on the majority of verses in chapters 6 through 9 as we did on the first six verses of Genesis 6. Yeah, those verses that deal with the sons of God and the daughters of men and, and the Nephilim generate a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And for those listening that did not hear those programs and are interested, you can listen to the Global Flood Account of Genesis Parts 1 and 2 on the podcast. And what is the name of that free podcast, Scott? Well, for anyone at all familiar with our program, it's pretty easy to remember. The podcast is called Scripture on Creation. Fancy that. (laughs) Exactly. If a person types that in on the podcast app, our podcast pops right up. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Scripture, you've just been able to reinstate another way for people to hear the past programs. That's right, Scott. I have no idea why I was locked out or why I can once again post on my Facebook page. But after about six months of silence, I'm back on Facebook. (laughs) Ta-da! Honestly, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, Hmm. nor do I have any idea how long it will last. But I will start posting the link to the weekly Scripture on Creation radio program on my Facebook page again. And what is the name of that Facebook page, Scott? Hmm, I see a pattern here. It's called Scripture on Creation. Thank you, Scott. And I could ask those listeners that do tune in to the podcast or log onto Facebook, if you like the program or think someone else might like it, or if you think it might help someone you know who has questions about the Bible and science, creation and evolution, or the accuracy of the Bible and so forth, share the Scripture on Creation program with them. Now, on Facebook, you do something to like the page, right? Exactly. I'm really not a savvy Facebook user. And as for the podcast, you can follow the program, as well as share a link to a particular program with someone else. So, Enough of the commercials. (laughs) Where were we in our study of Genesis, Scott? I think it was Genesis 6-7. That's right. Genesis 6-7. But now for context, let's start at verse 5. And I want to read through verse 9. Genesis 6-5 is describing what it is like in the days of Noah. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Finally, a ray of sunshine in the gloom. You know, that's an appropriate analogy, Scott. Thank you. 
And Noah was the only ray of sunshine, so to speak, among all the people of the earth. You know, as a believer in the Lord Jesus and God's word, it's very easy to look around and see how bad things are getting across the nations of the earth and in our own country and get discouraged or cynical or judgmental. But let's not think that the conditions we face are as bad as it can get or that these are the worst times ever. Just think how many other brothers and sisters in Christ you know, people who love and want to serve the Lord, people who encourage you by their service and with their words and by their example. But in Noah's day, Scott, jump forward and read Genesis 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. That's really pretty astounding when you think of it, isn't right. it? Right. Noah alone. Uh, Dr. Scripture, it's strange that the Lord doesn't even mention the rest of Noah's family. Yes, I've wondered about that too. Is it because the sons weren't righteous? I mean, we know what Ham was like. Yeah. But anyway, did God just refer to Noah as the head of the household? It was common, the epitome of political incorrectness today, to not mention the wife, but to simply include her as being connected to the husband. But, you know, he doesn't, like you say, mention anyone but Noah. Yeah, we're never even told his wife's name. And she is the mother of the entire existing human race. Well, almost. She was not the mother of the wives of her sons. But we could say Noah's wife, the unnamed Noah's wife, was the grandmother of the entire existing human race. You know, that gives me an idea, Scott. Since we don't know her name, we should just always refer to her as Grandma Noah. Yeah, Grandma Noah. <laughs> she truly is our great, 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 etc. grandmother. Okay, Dr. Scripture, I'm wondering just how many greats we need to tack on to the front of that. <laughs> That's a great question, and I don't know. But one thing we can be sure of, it's not thousands and thousands, as evolutionists would claim. In fact, the genealogy from Grandma Noah to Jesus Christ is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Well, Dr. Scripture, if that's the case, why don't you just count the generations? Wouldn't that let us determine the number of greats? <laughs> well, for one thing, Scott, do you know your ancestry from Grandma Noah to the time of Jesus? Okay, no. That genealogy is the ancestry of the Savior of the world. And then there's all the generations from the beginning of the first century AD until now. That would also need to be added to all those greats. And the other thing is, we may not be able to determine the exact number of father to son generations from Noah to Christ, even though we have the genealogy, because some father to son relationships are not recorded. Sometimes the genealogy recorded the father of a grandson or even a great-great-grandson, skipping the names of some of the offspring in between. Now, Dr. Scripture, I've heard you say that on this program before, but I also know that that opinion of yours is not shared by all creationists. Well, that's right, Scott. Some do think you can simply add up the years recorded from the father to the son and from the son to the next name listed and figure out to within a few years how long ago creation occurred and how long ago the flood occurred. 
Ken Ham and the Answers in Genesis organization holds that opinion, for example. I just don't think we can or should interpret the meaning of the genealogies that way. Another way to put it is, I understand the intent of the Hebrew genealogies were to establish the ancestry of the Christ, not the chronology of creation. But it is not my intention to make an issue of it or argue about it, and certainly not then insert large numbers of years into the history of the human race. So just to clarify, you are not suggesting that modern man is hundreds of thousands of years old as the evolutionary anthropologist would suggest. That's right. I think modern man, which is really simply the human race starting with Adam and Eve, is on the order of 10,000 years or less. And as I mentioned earlier, that record of the genealogy of the Messiah, who was prophesied to come way back in Genesis chapter 3, is written down for us in Luke chapter 3. And speaking of genealogies, since Noah is the ancestor of the Messiah, he too, like his wife, (laughs) is the grandfather of the entire existing human race. Grandpa and Grandma Noah. (laughs) (laughs) And his genealogy is recorded in the verses following what we read in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Maybe we should have read verse 10 too. So let's anyway read it now, Scott. Go ahead. Read verse 9 again, and then I'll read verse 10. Okay. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, of those three men, we can say they are the three fathers of the entire existing human race. And their wives are the three mothers of the entire existing human race. Correct. And the daughters-in-law of Grandma Noah. (laughs) It's interesting to think, then, that they were probably not close blood relatives of Noah. And it's important to realize that their genetic diversity was very crucial for the genetic vitality of the human race that would come from just those three couples. The genetic information of the three men, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, were totally made up of the contribution of only Noah and his wife. But with the addition of the three wives of Noah's sons, the genetic information of six other people, that would be the mother and father of those women, The genetic information of six other people were included in the generations that would be produced after the flood. Now, some people, even believers, are not convinced that every human, save the eight that were on the ark, were killed in the flood. Hmm. However, that brings us back to verse 7 that we read, which indicates that God did intend on wiping out all humanity, except Noah and his family. So, Scott, read again Genesis 6, verses 7 and 8, please. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that certainly sounds like he intends on destroying all of mankind except Noah to me. Yep. But if someone is inclined to think that there was room for exceptions in those verses, let's keep reading, starting at verse 11, Scott. Okay, verse 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. 
And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. The end of all flesh is what the Lord says to Noah. And, you know, what does the word all mean? Uh, He's talking about all the animals. He's talking about really destroying the earth. The crucial thing being that he's going to destroy, you know, all of mankind. As he pointed out, he's going to blot them out. But people, you know, they still don't think that God would have destroyed everyone. Well, apparently Peter does. And what he does is he confirms the account in Genesis that we just read. When in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, he says this about the events in the days of Noah. When the patience of the Lord kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. 